This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is our 2020 year in golf superlatives. It is going to be excellent. Producer Jacob has got all types of great categories for us to run through. And joining me for this episode, Kyle Porter is here. What's up, KP? I'm excited. I did some research for this, dug up a few things that I know we've all forgotten about. And uh, yeah, I'm pumped. Let's do it. <laughs> Greg Ducharme is here. Hey, Greg there's and we talked about this a little bit uh the other day but it's so interesting to think back on this year and how much there is there's so much to forget because so much happened so i can't wait to hear some of these things kyle has it's it's so good i can't it's wait one of these categories where i i want to spend 65 minutes on but we'll get to that later mark immelman is here rounds out the crew hey mark well i'm with you guys uh, how's it boys and and greg i'm with you i just i just i'm gonna sit back and listen to cal because to prepare for this thing it took a little while honestly because stuff happens and then you quickly forget it because you're dealing with the next challenge of the hand and and to go back and look through the year and i was looking at the calendar on the pga tour website going now did that happen? That event happened, and where were we? And where was I? And what happened? And and so it was sort of a step back in the time machine, which was weird this year because it was the the hero was just so so there was so much upheaval really. There are sometimes we just fire up the outline and whatever Jacob has in there, we just talk about golf for thirty or forty minutes. This one we you got to dig a little bit, you got to do a little bit of research. So let's 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 jump into it. Biggest surprise of twenty twenty. I took a very strategic approach to this greg but we'll start with you your biggest surprise of 2020 so there's a lot there are many different ways you can go with this one way is you can come up with a player right there are a lot of players who had surprising rises um and my example of that may be and this includes a little bit of the 2019 fall season but harris english would be my surprise player of the year um but overall my surprise of the year is that you could you could go so many different ways. There was no Ryder Cup. Um, there was there was no Open Champ. You know what? It, there was no Open Championship. That's that's, that's my biggest surprise. The Open Championship, Kyle, you pointed this out, and it's one of my favorite takes of the entire year. Um, and it may even win another superlative. The Open Championship has been canceled for four reasons. One, um, w- the the very first reason was Young Tom Morris took the belt. He won the, three the times in a row. They had, no, the they had no trophy. Okay. <laughs> he, w- he wouldn't give it back. But he wouldn't get. He just said, "You know what? We don't even have a trophy. We're not even playing this anymore." It's yeah. great. It's and that was a policy. It was sweet. a real policy. So that's what. That's one. Uh, the next number two and number three are the world wars, and yeah. number four is uh, is COVID nineteen. So uh, that is surprising. It's insane. Nice that was very good. That well done there, big boy. That was good stuff. Okay, well, Mark, now you have to follow it since you tried <laughs> it. <laughs> well, that's gonna be hard. Um, 
the the one that still blows my hair back i'll get to in a second but i want to go this way and and greg was very sort of you know thoughtful on this i looked through some of the events and stuff and i just remember before we locked down rory mcelroy us on this podcast we were talking about a guy that hadn't finished outside the top six in like seven events in a row it, it, it wasn't if he was going to win. It's like, how much is he going to win by? And which is he going to win the Masters at a canter? And I mean, all this was the conversation. Then the lockdown happens, then the comeback, and we're all pontificating. Is Rory going to get back in the saddle? And now looking back on the season, here's a guy that hasn't won worldwide in 2020. And yeah. that is astounding to me. That is surprising to me. But even more surprising, you know, having been a part of the road show and the circus that was the return to golf and the tour, I'm still surprised, and this will live with me for as long as I draw breath, that there were so few players and so few caddies. And in our television compound, no people tested positive for COVID-19. I mean, that, that if you had asked me this when we went into this, uh, this stretch of events, what would you think would be good? I'd be like, if we, if we get by with you know, 10, 20, 30 people coming short and, and falling prey to COVID, uh, what was there? 10 players, I think, just a handful of caddies. And in our TV compound, not one member of our CBS broadcast team tested positive for COVID-19 for 17 weeks. That, that's just unfathomable. Yeah, we and we I remember we had conversations and we talked about this a little bit in a previous episode of like how our minds changed. And we were like, how how many positive tests is too many? Right. Like, what's the line? It, we like we had that conversation at one point. So you're right, Mark, uh, relative to either other sports or obviously the populations that that these tournaments were being held in much lower for the professionals uh, than the general population. I, I took a, a, a surprise path. Of you know, we try to prognosticate a little bit on on this show, and I thought the most surprising victory, uh, and there were a couple to choose from, was Jim Herman winning window. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the 19 events before Jim Herman finds victory on the best golfing circuit on the planet. He doesn't have a single top 25. He missed 11 of those 19 cuts, finds a way to put it together for four straight days and come out victorious. Uh, like literally I was stunned. So that fits my surprising moment of 2020. It's a good one. That's was there one. anybody that had Jim Herman on their DFS ticket for the week? Cause they must clean the house. I don't think so. a bad pick. I, I'm pretty sure the winning lineup there's it, it happens like once a year where it does not have the winner in it, which oh, is okay. like it would have been it would have been a bad pick. It's like it, it reminds me of the of Michael Kim at um when he won at John Deere, yeah. right? You can't find a reason why. So the result doesn't always determine the quality of the pick, right? It's like me picking Burn Wiesberger over uh <laughs> Christian Bazaden. So right. it, Greg's yeah, first. We, Greg, 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 every time Greg has to mention that bet, his brain explodes <laughs> and his whole thing freezes up. Have you guys, uh, have you guys looked at Michael Kim's finishes since the John Deere? He he's yeah, finished either right. he's either missed the cut or finished like last in a no cut event in every single one, right? It's unbelievable. I I don't understand. I I think you did gain like. 15 strokes putting that week or something. It, it doesn't matter. He won by like, he ran, he also ran away with it. <laughs> it's, it's really weird. I mean, it's just bizarre. It, it's sort of like, uh, who's the guy that won um, Wells Fargo like seven years ago? Eric Ernst. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Mark had that on the top of his, like tip of his tongue. <laughs> I, I, you asked me about the older. I didn't, I didn't even hear it. I can help you with that stuff. 
Derek I remember, Hurst. I remember I, I feel bad oh. about this tweet. I think it was like my second year of covering golf. I said uh, it was when Duffy Waldorf was playing his last Masters. And I said, I said Duffy Waldorf and Derek Ernst are both playing their last Masters this year. <laughs> <laughs> I came, it I've was gotten, true though, right? It, it's true, but I've gotten – I've tried to get kinder since then. That wasn't very nice. Oh, they well, were glad you're still here. A Christmas card list, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> they need your new address. Uh, Kyle, your biggest surprise of 2020, please. Oh, I've got so many. Uh, okay, so you could go Francesco Molinari just not playing golf. That was so weird. Didn't play. Uh, didn't play. So I, I misused the uh, Vince Carter graphic or GIF at one point. Oh, did you? <laughs> At the Phoenix Open for Finau, and then he didn't oh. win. <laughs> Web, Web, two down with two to play, got him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I did not remember that. <laughs> That's so good. You guys have encouraged me to be aggressive with it. I got a little I too. Say, you misusing that gift or using it too early is not really a surprise to me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, when else have I, I when else have I misused it? <laughs> Just kidding with you, man. I love you. You, you. I did. I, I made up for it like five years ago when I called Spieth on Friday afternoon at the Masters when he won it. Um, what have you done for me lately, there, Cal? Well, when he went wire to wire. Yeah, and he shot like sixty-four in round two. Okay, I got to. I got to move on. Um, uh, so I think. Okay, this is a more somber one, but Tiger finding out about Kobe Bryant dying from his caddy. And it was on TV. That was insane. Like, that was like the weird, that was like the most, I mean, COVID happened after that, but that was such a surreal moment when Joe LaCava walked, and you you knew exactly what he was saying because he walks up and Tiger goes, Kobe Bryant? And you're just like, what is happening? Like, that was such a surreal day. Um, But I think my actual answer is, uh, especially considering all of our picks, was Bryson winning the U.S. Open by six. We all, all of us said, we asked the question, who's not going to win the U.S. Open? <laughs> Me, Greg, and Rick all said, definitely not Bryson. There's no <laughs> way he's, he's winning at Wingfoot. And then he wins by six. That was, it, it feels like normal now, but I feel like in the moment it was kind of shocking. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, all right, let's be quick on the next one because there's other ones I want to spend more time on, and this is already on pace for a nine-hour pod. <laughs> um, whose stock rose the most? So, Greg, you were kind of alluding to this. I went with Daniel Berger, who literally went from 154th to 13th in the world and I think is a likely candidate to continue to stay in the top 20 with kind of the way that his game is played. So I think that's a big rise in stock. You mentioned Harris English. Is that kind of your similar answer here? Yeah, absolutely. Harris English is my answer here. And I had this in front of me before I got kicked off a, a moment ago. So he Harris English went from 183 to 29. So it's comparable to Daniel Berger. But the thing that that um, that stands out to me about this is he didn't win. Daniel Berger got a win. So is that a good thing or a bad QB, thing? QBE shootout. You don't want to count that one for him? Him and Cooch? Well, are you getting world golf ranking points for that? I mean, it's no. not the Hero World Challenger. Probably. Here. <laughs> yeah, we found out this year that the world golf rankings and what you get points for makes no sense whatsoever. And none for a Champions Tour event. That's still uh, PGA Tour Champions. still bothers me. So I, anyway, I, I, I'm going to go with Harris English. And I think that part of that is there's still a climb. I think you're going to see him win very soon. 
Um, and so, so to rise that far without winning is really impressive. And it marks the, um, the consistency that he showed all year. Yeah. He piled up top twenties all oh, year, every long. week. It seemed Mark, uh, whose stock rose the most? Well, I got a couple, three names. First off, anytime you're going from the Corn Ferry Tour to the PGA Tour, you know, you, your stock is rising. But Scotty Scheffler, I mean, mm-hmm. to go from the Corn Ferry Player of the Year to the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year and be a week-in, week-out factor. I mean, a, a name that was mentioned when people were talking about potentially winning major championships, you got to reference Scheffler, um, Will Zalatoris, same deal, you know, to earn your way onto the tour with that uh, with that promotion. Um, that deserves some sort of honorable mention, I guess. But my pick is a guy who got as high as fifth in the world uh, and won two events, including a major championship. Uh, Colin Marikawa, I mean, he, he's gone from being a bright young star with a victory at the Barracuda to now a top tenner in the world with a major championship and a perennial favorite in every event he plays in. So for me, it's Marikawa without a shadow of a doubt. I remember when he wins Barracuda and we're like, yeah, well, can he win a, you know, a regular event? Okay. Then he wins work day. All right. Can he do it in a major, a couple weeks later, right? Just PGA <laughs> championship. No problem. Yeah. Uh, KP stock rising. Who was it? Yeah, I had Zalatoris also. And I had Morikawa. you know, I think this time last year, I think we, we might've said this, but I definitely would have said Hovland and Wolf probably be a little bit better than Morikawa. And now you're like, I don't know. It might be Morikawa. And I, I, I think that his, I think his ceiling for me at least raised this year. There was a, uh, I think it was a five star rating and review on Apple iTunes. If you'd like to leave one and leave a comment or question, we can get to those who, who want, they want us to re-rank the young guys. And I was like, yeah, that's going to have to be an episode at some point because uh, I still don't know. Like we, 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 we flipped through them five or six times this year, not knowing what order they'd be in. Yeah. Uh, here we go. This is a good one. Tiger Woods, the big cats, 2020 grade. And Greg, we'll start with you. I feel like you're always a bit more optimistic on Tiger than, I don't know. We'll see. What grade do you give Tiger Woods on his 2020 year? Um, well, man, I, I'm not optimistic on this. I mean, I, <laughs> I think it's the, the challenge with grading Tiger is there's so much more than just this one year. Right. So to grade Tiger on this year, what did he do? He, his best finish was tied ninth in 2020 in the calendar year. Um, He didn't really do anything else. Right. I don't think he finished inside the top 30 in any other event. So he he didn't really accomplish anything. He didn't play a lot, understandably. So Um, he didn't look particularly healthy. Um, So there are still some questions here and there about his health, which I mean, I got to say it's a, a D and, mm. and that's, and that has a little bit of, I mean, it's really, this is for a tiger woods. It's a, a failed season in a way because he, he didn't tigers expectations are to, to win. Right. And, and to contend in major. So he didn't advance his career at all. Now, that being said, does he have to not, not really. So it's hard for, it's hard to say tiger failed failed this year but you can't really go higher than a, a d in my opinion I, I gave it a d minus so we're, we're on the same page here and i thought the only way he could get an f is if he didn't play at all uh now he didn't play a lot and and i think you nailed it greg the, the problem with tiger is expectations he does not get the luxury of low expectations he probably feels like he, i mean what grade would he give himself probably pretty low when you have one top 10 and it came at the end of january like like that's not good. I mean, the, I also kind of one of the biggest stories that we didn't talk about because the world flipped on its head was that Tiger didn't play the players. He wasn't 
ready, right? That was the statement, Mark. It was, came out from his from his agent. He wasn't ready to go. Obviously, everything else in the in the world happens, but uh, that would have been sounding the alarm for Tiger Woods to uh, sit out this this huge event. Well, yeah, as you look back, and that's a good point because he pulled out the week prior in Bay Hill as well, which is like it's Tiger Woods is essentially the mayor of that Dr. Phillips area there in uh, in in Orlando. So I, I remember being shocked when I saw that. But you know, as you look through the Tiger Woods year, I, I'm sure Tiger would give himself an F. Mm -hmm. You know, if uh, Tiger Woods is the young man graded himself by winning and winning major championships, and beyond that tie for ninth in the uh, at Torrey Pines, he went 68th. Tied 40th, tied 37th, tied 58th, and then tied 51st. So, um, you know, I, I don't have it in me to give Tiger Woods an F, but I'm with you. D minus is, is, is sound because there, there were, and, and the reason why I'm saying that is there were moments where, like, he drove the ball fantastically well whenever he played. And there was once or twice I called him that the swing look, looked, you know, un, un, uninterrupted and free, and he was hitting the ball well. He just couldn't put stuff together. So the parts of the puzzle were there, but he just never fit the thing together. And he said as much as he went into the latter portion of the season and missed the cut at the U.S. Open. And then uh, at two, if he finishes in the last two events, including the Masters. So so I'm giving him a D minus. The pieces are there, but but it just wasn't constructed. Yeah, maybe one of the maybe we can lump this in KP with one of the biggest surprises that Tiger Woods ranked 187th in strokes gained putting in the 2020 year, like the guy with the magic flat stick couldn't, couldn't roll the rock. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with Mark. Like there are moments where like, Oh, he's driving it great. Or his swing looks really good. Or the short game was good this week, but it, it was never in the same week. He just had, he had multiple holes in his game all the time. Um, I did give him a, I've got a C minus. I thought he looked pretty good in the match too, which was, uh, <laughs> so he gets a bump for that yeah uh, <laughs> that was that was really important to me so yeah I'll he, he did look that. good. that's the best he looked all year i think maybe. <laughs> um all right we got to talk non-majors we've got to talk about majors my favorite category on the other side best twitter moment oh boy there are some really good ones there but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. And we're back. Best non-major. I'd like to start with a little anecdote. And KP, you're actually involved in, in my, my little anecdote here. Um, oh, I know where you're going. I have the work day. Yeah. So, so pull back the curtain a little bit just to kind of say what happens. You know, uh, we, we go on CBS Sports HQ. We talk about the winner. We do the congratulations. How does this impact his year? Is he the player of the year? Is, you know, whatever, all that stuff. We are suiting up, getting ready to go. 
Uh, we're about to crown JT the winner. We're going to do the whole the whole spiel. And what? He bogeys two of his last three holes. He gets into a playoff. And now, KP, we are stuck on air live during the playoff. And like, however long this thing's going, it's going. And that's when we saw JT drop what, a 55-foot putt on Morikawa on the first playoff hole. Then Morikawa backs it up with like a 24-foot putt. I mean, it was just the, all of the golf was great. And then just the way that uh, you and I were kind of consuming it, I was like, this is this is unbelievable stuff. It, it was, it was, uh, you know, I can't remember who the host was. It might've been Hakeem Dermish and he kept, whoever it was kept like kicking it to us, like for, for her specific, I'm like, where's Mark at? I mean, Mark needs to, this is not me. Like Mark's I can't, the golf course watching it live. Big I, I can't do this. This is, this is Mark's Mark is way better at this than I am, but it was, it was incredibly fun because it felt like we were, and maybe this is how you feel every week, Mark. It felt like we were in the, I mean, we were not participating, but it felt like we were, a part of the event, which was really cool. Um, I had that on my list as well. Uh, I had the Memorial just cause the ending, mm. I've got another tidbit on that later. BMW ending was insane with DJ and Rom. Uh, I thought the 3M was kind of cool with Michael Thompson mm. uh, and just kind of how he closed it out. But my, my, my number one that I'm going to go with is, because I don't think any of the rest of you guys will pick it because it feels like it happened 23 years ago is Kapalua, JT, Reed, Xander, playoff. And it was, I think that was, I think that was the tournament where Cantlay dropped the F-bomb on 18 and like everybody freaked out. Well, that's good. Yes, that, that is it. And it's, he uh, he also referenced uh, them drinking Mai Tais, whoever those people are. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was that's the most anybody's ever heard him say. So JT went in and I remember Brendan Porat dropped a tweet that said the decade of JT begins and there began my bet of JT winning 25 <laughs> times. So that was a, that was a really, I thought, fun way to uh, to start the year. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. I think Xander three putted on 18 to, to, to get into that, to force that playoff. And then, and then, uh, JT comes out victorious, Greg, your best non-major of 2020, man, it, um, going back before the layoff kind of opens up a whole new world. It's like a lab. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I mean, like I, now all of a sudden I'm thinking of Adam Scott at the Genesis, uh, I'm thinking of Webb Simpson beating Tony Finau in that playoff. That was the waste management was great. It was the uh, the nice guy playoff. But I think the BMW is the best. And I mean, if you have world number one and world number two, John Rahm and Dustin Johnson in a playoff event on the toughest setup uh, on a, a great golf course, going head to head the way they did and executing the shots the way they did, I think. I think that's the best non-major of the year, partly because it felt like a major. I mean, that was a major championship quality field, uh, event conditions, and uh, ultimately both of your your champion and your runner-up were major championship caliber players. So I, I think having those two heavy hitters go head-to-head like that is so rare um, that that's the best non-major of the year, maybe the best tournament of the year. It was certainly a heavyweight bout with also an unbelievable ending. So yeah, that that checks off yeah. a lot of boxes as well. Mark, best non-major of the year. Well, again, I guess I'm coming at this from my own personal experiences. Mexico is always fun to go to because I love tacos and margaritas. So it was not <laughs> being down there in Mexico City for that event. It's a great golf course. But there were a few there post, um, you know, I was coming back from the lockdown that stood out, obviously being part of the event at colonial was special it's such a historic sort of iconic venue 
and to watch Morikawa nearly win there. I mean, I had him in the final round and missed that short five, six foot putt in the lot to go to a playoff. That stood out. But you, you talk about an event that was almost a major. Workday was electric, even though there were no fans there. To, to, to be on the course and watch those two go at it the way they did and make those putts was, it was crazy and it was memorable. But the memorial the week after, it was our second week in Dublin, Ohio. <laughs> um, I, I was in the same hotel room for two weeks, which was horrid. <laughs> And and then just to watch the whole thing unfold and the golf course, um, Mr. Nicholas was letting it go because it's being redone for the next year's memorial. And so we had major championship conditions. It was a firm and fast. The greens were hard. And and John Rahm showed his class. And then and then I must give kudos to a colleague of ours and Amanda Ballyhonas, how she dealt with that thing afterwards when when Rahm didn't know of the penalty and she had yeah. to ask him about the penalty. And the, it was... It was it was very well done by everyone over there, and, and Jack's event. Everyone will always tell you it's their favorite on the tour. That's not a major, and and for me, it was it was probably the best one of the bunch. Rom found out from Amanda Baliotis that that and penalty was from being man. assessed, which is unbelievable stuff. And and we're watching it live, and I'm just my jaw jaw is on. The I was floor. standing I was standing in the walkway where the, where they come off the green and they go underneath the clubhouse to scoring. And I'm watching this from about 50, 60 feet away with my spider, Greg. And I'm like, this guy is going to explode. And she just handled it like a complete pro. It was, it was memorable. It was like, he was doing the quick math in his head. Like how many did I win by? Oh, okay. I'm go- okay. Yeah. yeah. I, won't, I won't lose it here. Um, all right. Well, we've done non-majors. So KP major championship me best major. You've got three to choose from. Take your pick. Yeah. It was kind of a low key, not very dramatic major year. Uh, there were a lot of like, there's a lot of cool stuff that happened. Just the Indians weren't necessarily great. So I, I guess I got to go PGA. You know, it, it, it when Morikawa hit the shot on 16 and then kind of rolled to the win, it felt like, oh yeah, Morikawa. But it was it was kind of chaotic for about a couple hours, I would say, maybe two and a half hours. Where DJ, was, I mean, you've got Matthew Wolf should have won. I will continue to say that for the next like five years um rory was charging jt finished i mean it was yeah, it was there, hoppers. yeah. there was there was a lot going on uh Fien- i think Finau got climbed up there to like t4 or something like that so i would go pga uh, just because it was probably the, the the most fun ending of the three okay i'm gonna uh, abstain and i'll save mine for our next category here greg your best major of 2020 I, I have to agree. I think it was uh, it was the PGA Championship, which I would be um, at the beginning of the year. I would be surprised that that was the best. Looking at the venues, you have a place like Wingfoot, you have a, a Masters, which always delivers. Um, I, I think to say that the best one would come from Harding Park would be a little bit surprising. But the uh, the competition, the shots Morikawa hit down the stretch, Brooks Kepka getting into the mix, making the comments that he did. There was so much action around that event um, leading into Sunday that I think it was the I do think it was the best major of the year, um, despite the fact that and that doesn't take away from the other two at all. I thought the U.S. Open at Wingfoot was great um, and and Dustin winning the Masters was phenomenal, too. But the, the PGA Championship was the most compelling all the way to the end. Yeah, I guess the other two were kind of runaways, right? Uh, like, didn't uh, yeah. how many did DJ win by six and Bryson won by six, both from six shots? Is that right? Um, I think so. Uh, DJ, DJ won, won by five. Yeah. Five, five DJ for DJ, five. six for Bryson. Uh, Mark, I have a sneaking suspicion you might choose a major championship in your neck of the woods. You know what? It's hard for me to go <laughs> against that. 
but I'm going to. Okay. Um, I, you know, I was there for the PGA Championship, and you talk about frenetic. And Kyle, uh, I will argue you until death that Matthew Wolf would not have won that event, even if he birdied the last. Um, I was there. I was scheduled to call the penalty. I said should have, not would have. Okay, well, I'm, I'm disagreeing with you. Wolf. He missed like five, six footers. So what? You have to make putts coming down the stretch to win. I thought it was a. I thought it was strokes gain driving, wasn't it? No, I'll stop. Um, <laughs> yeah, you you know you know the point, and you continue to argue the other side of it. Okay, um, it was I okay. was supposed to be on the um, penultimate group, which was Morikawa, and uh, Bryson's hidden approach shot on two, and my producer says to me, "Me go and pick up Bryson and Fina." They're going bananas. You've got Colin Morikawa who's sort of lurking around the place. All of a sudden, he pitches in there on 14, and then it's that tee shot on 16 and wins it. But the reason really, I mean, golf aside, for me, going back to San Francisco was special. There's so much history in that town. And then, and I understand the other two venues are iconic, but I just love it that my buddy Rick Gaiman can go and play a major championship venue just a few weeks after they've played a PGA championship with that was have had a sensational finish. So, so for me, it, it was also the PGA in San Fran. Well, thank you, Mark. That was part of my reasoning. So I'll lump this in with our next, uh, our next category, which is shot of the year. And I, I'm completely with you, Mark. I'm a sucker for a Muni, right? You give me TPC Harding park that any, any, you know, Joe Schmo like myself can walk out there and, and try to recreate the, uh, Colin Morikawa shot, which, which let me tell you, uh, did not go the same way, uh, for me as it did for him. Uh, it, it's unbelievable stuff. It was a great finish. And then not only the fact that you get this young star, I mean, it's just, it, it was there was so much greatness coming out of the PGA championship and that transitions to my shot of the year, the shot on 16. I mean, I, I stood there a, a couple weeks later and we were playing almost the dead same number. And I'm, I, I don't even know. And I say this a lot when I see the, when I see the pros, I don't know how they hit any of these shots with everything they do is unbelievable. That shot to me on 16. I don't know how he did it. it it's, it's unbelievable, Mark. Yeah. If I might build on that because I had the group behind him. So I'm standing on 15 green and there was a weight there because of the drivable 16th and, and it's cold. It's misty. I mean, it was, it, it was horrifically cold out there and you've got into left to right, which for the right hander is the hardest wind to play in. And Marikawa likes to fade the golf ball and you've got nothing but disaster down the left and those Cypress on the right. And when this thing left the club face, I remember looking at this going, that's going to be good. <laughs> and then you didn't hear anything, but it just looked like it was never going to leave the flag. So that shot was special for me, and I considered that. But there were two in, in the season's final major that will live with me for a long, long time. And and one was the pitch shot on number 11 that Dustin Johnson hits in the final round. That was just top quality, you know, with his technique off that tight lie, you're playing to a green working away from you. It's sort of nip and tuck at that stage. It could go anyway. And he hit that pitch shot up there to a few feet and made it. And then gets up there on 12. I still know the number, 152 yards. And he can hit pitching wedge there, probably. And he could hit an eight iron about 185 if he wants to. And he takes this little two-finger eight iron. It's straight through the wind to hole high. And it was one of the great iron shots I've seen in all of my time. Because it was so timely, it was so well struck, it was so well flighted. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if you had to ask Dustin what he would think for the year, that eight iron would stand out. And for me, it was by far and away. I mean, there's not even an equal how good that shot was that he hit there. Yeah, your your description of that. I mean, he was in complete control of his game all week long. But that that is such a great example of it. Um, Kyle, your shot of the year, please. 
I've got some Matthew Wolf putting stats here if anybody wants them. <laughs> I think that's a different episode. <laughs> I'll send them later. He hasn't been, uh, He's been researching the last bit. I had a bunch. Uh, Reed on the 17th in Mexico was awesome. The, Mex- the Mexico event was kind of low-key great. It was really good. Bryson was involved. It was really fun. Sergio's shot where he made eagle at the Sanderson was <laughs> incredible. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Rom's putt at the BMW. Mm-hmm. Was just a. I mean, he can't. He, he can't. You can't make that putt. You can't make DJ's putt either. And they both made him. Yeah, that was wild. Uh, but I got to go with Morikawa. I mean, the the drive on sixteen. It's it. Very rarely do you get like very like singular shots that you're like, hey, that won a major championship. And granted, there are two hundred and sixty eight other shots or whatever. Um, so that's not the one that necessarily you have to do all the other stuff as well, but that one's going to stand out 15 years from now where we say, Hey, remember the drive Colin Morcala hit on 16 at Harding park. Um, so I gotta go with that one. So for, for honorable mention, there's a couple of ROM shots, the 66 footer, the putt we remember, but the, I mean, the chip, we, I, I think we might've referenced this earlier, right at, at the Memorial, yeah, the, the bogey heard around the world. I mean, that that's <laughs> I mean, Rob's got a couple of nominees on this list. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah he does. Uh, and he, you, I mean, you could argue that he won two of the five best events of the year on those two shots. Be hard to argue. Yeah. Be hard to argue. Greg, shot of the year. Any tee shot Bryson hit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, I, I would I, so the one that the one that really stands out to me was uh the bogey heard around the world it was rom's it was rom's uh little pitch shot from the rough there out of a nasty lie in difficult conditions in a moment when you're thinking the tournament's slipping away um it turned out i mean the the dramatics afterwards kind of changed things um it be it became maybe it took a little bit of the luster away but in the moment i think that was the best shot of the year there's uh, no love for the 302-yard eight iron that Kyle Berkshire hit the other day. Uh, with Bryson behind him. 302-yard right. eight iron. Yeah, that's insane. Is this what, what did we Bryson want? say? That's longer than tour average. Is, is this what we want golf to be? <laughs> uh, speaking of Bryson, let's get into it. Favorite yes. Bryson moment. And I, I have a uh, I have a partial list okay this this is from no laying up this was tweeted september 20th and this is not even the complete list of things that bryson did this year but just to just to recap and i'm just going to read this verbatim here from no laying up uh he gained a million pounds became the longest in the game fought some ants made a 10 called out kepka's abs cooked bacon shirtless said he wants to live to 130 yelled at a camera that had his caddy block a camera berated a rules official and oh by the way won a u.s open uh it, it was a full year and there were still three months after that kp he he said he wanted to live to 130 and that was like <laughs> that's like 11th on the list <laughs> This is crazy. Well, he didn't just say he wanted to. He said it's possible, you know, that they're doing the math behind all of this. And if you do X and Y, you're on your own. <laughs> one of the one of the funniest things that wasn't on that list and wasn't really a big moment, but his first round. Like, so like during the during the break, he he gains all this weight and like it becomes this thing. 
And the first, I don't know if you guys remember this, but the first round back was at Colonial and he wore this shirt that made it look like he had a weight belt on. <laughs> Do you remember that? It yeah, was like, it was like white on top and black right here. So it was and he's like, wearing black pants. So it, looked it looked like, like- it, it almost looked like a girdle. <laughs> it was incredible. Uh, I went with the ants, the ants thing. I was, uh, I was, I think I was on HQ at the time and I just went on this like three minute rant about. Oh, yeah, how, we have a clip of that somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, it it might have gotten. Yeah, it might not be there anymore. <laughs> yeah, it might have gotten buried. Uh, that was insane, and and he wasn't like. He was kind of right, like by the tech, like by the technicality of, of the was. rule book, which was, I think, kind of the funniest part of it. But it just the whole thing summed up everything about him, which is. I'm going to do everything within my power, within what I believe the rules kind of are within golf to gain an advantage. I mean, that's like the Bryson ethos, right? But it was like the most hilarious way you could sum it up. So it served as both a microcosm for what he's trying to do, but also uh, like a, a unintentionally humorous way to do it. Um, uh, yeah, there's so many. My two favorite are... Um... He st- he would not start his U.S. Open press conference until he got his orgain in front of him, which I thought was hilarious, <laughs> uh, which I thought was amazing. And then also he uh, created an international conspiracy about which dog was at Olympia Fields yes. and whether it was Trigger or his dad or son Divot. And, all, and and no one no one knows, right? I mean, it's just the guy found a way to put himself in the news. Uh, have us talk about it no matter what he was doing. He broke shot link at uh, Detroit. Yeah. And then he lost the ball on number three at the Masters and said, is this a lost ball if I can't find it? <laughs> uh, yes. Great. Greg, help us here. Help us try to figure out what the what the Bryson moment is. Okay, so there are so many entertaining moments, um, and I have to be this guy. I have to be this guy. But my favorite Bryson moment is when he uh, and his he and his dad uh, and his mom meet on Zoom after he wins the U.S. Open. Mm. And look, all of these all of these things are hysterical. I love the ant moment. I laugh at at all of these things too. It, you can't make it up. But ultimately, what Bryson did this year, I think, should inspire hope for us on a much more serious level. And um, and he, at every step of the way, has been told that what he's doing is crazy, that he's crazy, largely because he is. But it works. And it's worked at every single level. And to to make this change and to make this investment and go down this path for the purpose of getting better and solving the problem that he had. I mean, this guy hadn't had a top 10 in a major before this year, all of a sudden, uh, a T4 and a win. And so I, I thought that was a really um, a- emotional moment and a happy moment. And that was my favorite moment because I think it, it means so much more than just Bryson winning the, the U.S. Open. It, that- it, it inspires others, which I think is great. But, I mean, the, look, arguing with ants uh, is <laughs> bright. There was a moment at the memorial when he asked for a second opinion. That was and, and that was yeah, also sorry. great. Right. And then a third. No, I, I don't think that's he right. Asked for a fourth and a fifth, right? So those are great. They're those they're great moments. But when he actually did it and accomplished it, I mean that you could make a movie out of that. Uh and and they should, somebody should do that. How about setting up a driving range in his living room? 
Yeah. <laughs> well, that was actually Chris Como's driving uh, living room. Actually. That's true. Um, to, to, to the whole Ant thing, I, I thought the way Stephen Cox came in, the PGA Tour rules official eventually on the, like, the third opinion, he goes, Bryson, that's enough now. That's <laughs> the way he dealt with it was just so appropriate. And, and for me, you know, as you guys talk, the, everything's flooding back. And it occurred to me that a lot of the stuff that you guys were talking about, I was on the course covering Bryson. And I'm thankful to because I never have to say a word when I've got Brass and DeChambeau's group because all they do is they get the, the parab mic on him and there's there's something entertaining that's going to come out, whether it's pre-shot or post-shot. And the 10 stood out to me because I just remember thinking, what on earth is he doing? Because mm-hmm. I walked down there and I took a look at the lie and you could see how he could propel the thing sort of over that little cross um, creek that meandered through the uh, – the fairway, but then he just kept going. It was like tin cup down the left-hand side of 15 at Memorial. And so that stood out. Um, what stood out too was how I put a video of a little kid on my Instagram post and the little kid was athletic and, and Bryson tweeted the kid and said, boom, man, keep it up, which I thought was very cool of him. And That's then, cool. but, but, but the one that stands out still is the guy getting in the press room <laughs> at Augusta National and going, oh, this place is a past 67 for me. And I was like, <gasps> the world took a collective breath. And I was like, wow, Bryson. I mean, you've said some stuff this year, and I've had the utmost admiration for him. But yikes, uh, that, that was uh, that you were setting yourself up for failure there. It's it's phenomenal. This, this is going to take a, a, a six-part docu-series. <laughs> Of, of Bryson's 2020 calendar year. I mean, I saw him, I saw him at Genesis and he looked huge. And then he had the 91 days of no golf to even get, and I'm like, it's, it's craziness. But um, I want to move on to my favorite category. Uh, this is best Twitter moment. And let me tell you golf. Twitter had a year golf. Twitter had a year and I'm hoping Jacob's going to be able to pull up an image for me because I've got two here, but I want to start with the first one. And uh, there is a golf, this is all it is. There's a golf digest headline that says Phil Mickelson says he will use a 47 and a half inch driver at the masters. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> and there is a, a quote tweet from uh, Lou tire world, who I don't know who that is, but this is what he said. <laughs> I can't even say this with their face. Hold on. This is like handing Stevie Wonder an Uzi. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot not laugh at this. This I don't even know how people come up with like, like that is the perfect comparison. It is so hilarious. I love this so much. Uh, And then my other one, uh, which is from Will Knights of the Fried Egg is a side-by-side image of Victor Hovland and Amy Klobuchar. And it says, has anyone ever seen Amy Klobuchar and Victor Hovland in the same room? And this one, the reason why this is one of my best Twitter moments is because this one has stuck with me, okay? Now, anytime I see either Victor Hovland or Amy Klobuchar, I think about this, right? (laughs) They are identical twins. I, I, they have this little smirk on their face. I could not. <laughs> like, look at that. Tell me that that is not a striking resemblance. It's unbelievable. <clears throat> That's really good. It's that really is good. good. Uh, KP, <laughs> you're our, you're our resident. Uh, you've got your finger on the pulse on all things golf Twitter. What stood out to you this year? Uh, there were a ton. I think, like, just from an overall. Like just so, my favorite golf Twitter moment ever was Spieth at Birkdale 
the the uh, hill, the drop, the driving. I mean, the whole thing was like it was the greatest hour of golf Twitter ever. And I don't think it'll be I don't think it can be topped. Um, but just from like a, a meme standpoint, it had to be Rom at Memorial when he found out uh, when he found out that he was being penalized. And he did. He goes. <laughs> And he made he made like thirty nine different like he emoted in so many different ways with like two different faces that it was just <laughs> it was incredible. Um, but maybe the another I mean I could go forever, but another one that to me was really really funny was do you remember it, and and Mark referenced this earlier at Memorial when they were. Uh, <clears throat> They were taking, like, clearing the greens. They were scraping the greens because they're they're redoing part of the course. And somebody said they showed they sh- like CBS panned to like the the greens were being cleared while while the tournament was still going on, which was which was weird. And somebody said it looks like it looks like Sergio has been let loose on the front nine. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it right there if you're not watching this episode on youtube you should be because producer jacob is dropping all the tweets in here and it is uh phenomenal i i said i'd love to see phil play this hole and it's like half a green and half dirt and somebody said it looks like sergio already did Oh, uh, that one just—I don't know—that stuck with me for some reason. Uh, we might need another. This, there's so many great ones. Greg, um, tw- golf Twitter, anything that yeah. stood out to you? I'm keeping this one in uh, in house, and so I'm just going to start reading, and you could maybe put a name to it, or oh, I know where this is going. Doing some fill research today, sitting here, uh, staring at the 40 win PGA <laughs> Tour five major club. And it's amazing. You got Tiger 82 15, Sneed 82 and 7, Nicholas 73 18, Hogan 64 and 9, Palmer 62 and 7, Nelson 52 and 5, Hagen 45 and 11, Phil 44 and, and 5. One individual uh, at least thought he was missing. <laughs> but the line afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened here is Gary I guess he I guess he's deleted this since Oh, he deleted it. Yeah, so Gary Player responded to this and uh, Kyle, you can probably quote this verbatim, but it's like nice try Kyle, take your stats and shove them or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. At, at the end he said I wish you all the best. <laughs> and then Kyle responded with Greg, what's he say here? But did you ever win in Memphis? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this was the gift that, that kept on giving because we've been referencing this for the last six or seven months. <laughs> yes, yes. Actually, like, uh, more like 16 months. It's just, it, it was, uh, I thought it was brilliant in a way that, because look, you have the most respect for, for Mr. Player. And I think there was a little confusion with PGA Tour and international wins. It's not like I, you're discounting I said, international I said wins. PGA Tour in the tweet. I know I know you did. I'm just saying. I, I, it's not – the way you handled it was – it wasn't disrespectful, and I, I didn't think, of Mr. Player, and I know how much respect you have for him. So it, it was – the way it was handled, I just thought was very entertaining. It's my favorite <laughs> moment. Because I, I, I also – I can't believe he's – He's watching like that, you know. Well, but think about that. Like, I remember being at the Masters in 2009, and I, I was sort of, 
I didn't, I didn't have a ton of golf, like historical knowledge. And so I was talking to my parents about Gary player, all this different stuff. And, you know, 11 years later, I'm interacting with this all time historically elite <laughs> golfer on this social media platform. And you're like, it, it, it becomes normal because we all do it every day, but you're like, this is really weird. Like for this yeah. to, to be like a commonplace thing and kind of cool. I wonder when he deleted it. Do you I think he, do you think he counts his closest to the pin at the Payne's Valley thing as a victory? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. You're always trying to stir this up with him. Uh, Mark, yeah. I've, got, I've, I've got nothing. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be the wet blanket and just go, I'm going to step aside for, for, <laughs> for you guys and Kyle. All right. We're yeah. going to, we're going to start with you on uh favorite stat. I kind of took this a lot of ways. We throw out a lot of stats. Jay Ray, Justin Ray, always uh, providing us with some good ones to talk about. But Mark, was there a stat uh, this year that stood out to you? I'm surprised you're even asking me this one because <laughs> I'm not as prolific on Twitter as our boy Carl over there. And I certainly don't look at the statistics as much as what you guys do either. So, so I'm a bad one to ask, but I do remember um, at the Travelers Championship, um, Brendan Todd basically went uh, – three rounds and three quarters or something without missing a fairway. Mm. And, and that, that for me is something because you're playing on a golf course with angles off the tee and stuff and, and to, to drive the ball that accurately for that extended period of time. And he was a factor in the tournament. Um, you know, in the end, Dustin Johnson was too much for him, but that driving exhibition that he put on and they weren't just in the fairway, they were in the middle of the fairway. So I can't remember the exact number. I couldn't find it. But I just remember him hitting just a whole lot of fairways in a row, and it was it was off the charts. Yeah, I, I was almost in paralysis trying to figure. There's so there's so many great things here, uh, Greg. I went with the Justin Ray, and this is not a, a stat relative to 2020, but he tweeted it out in 2020, so I'm counting it. Uh, and this is some real, you know, stars aligning type of thing. So Jack's last Masters was 2005. Tiger won that. Jack's last U.S. Open was 2000. Tiger won that. Jack's last Open Championship was 2005. Tiger won that. And Jack's last PGA Championship was 2000. Oh, by the way, Tiger won that. It, it is like the uh, real-life passing of the torch. Like it, this, is, this is so good. It, it, and it's, Amazing. it's impossible, first of all. It's impossible that all of these things aligned. And, and just the Jack to Tiger thing is so great. I, I love it. You know, the other one that really stuck out to stuck out to me um, during the Masters was it, and it didn't come into fruition. But the comparison between Tiger and Jack and their world ranking and their position and the years since there. And if if Tiger had won the 2020 Masters, I think those would be more relevant because they were identical and the stars aligned. Um, but that's part of the reason why Tiger gets a D minus on the year. Uh, <laughs> Didn't but, uh, didn't Tiger and, and uh, Jack play together at? I know they played together at 2000 and at Valhalla uh, because there was like this <clears throat> like surreal like they were walking up 18 together whenever the second round finished and they went I think 18 on Valhalla market splits right yeah. like there's two different ways and they were both going to, I don't know it was just like this weird thing so yeah that's a that's a I don't, re I don't even remember uh, Jerry tweeting that out. That's a great one. Hey, uh, I, I want to build on that quickly too, because now you've got my mind going a bit. And our producer did come through with that. Brendan Todd at 91% of the fairways that week. He missed five and they were all in the final round. Good. Um, but you talk about Tiger and the achievements and the statistics and stuff. 
and we're living in a time now where we've got guys who can complete the career Grand Slam and how few folks have done it. Tiger Woods has done that three times, that he's won <laughs> every major at least three times. I mean, that is just insanity. Uh, every Tiger stat I hear is more insane than the one before it. And and anytime there's like a trivia question or whatever, the default guess is, if you don't know, it's just Tiger, right? I mean, he just owns so, so many of these. Uh, Kyle, your favorite stat in 2020. So I've got two. One I found and one, of course, Justin Ray found. I'll go with Jay Ray's first. Matthew Wolf, first player since Ned Cosgrove, who could forget, <laughs> at the 1880 and 1881 Open Championships to finish fourth or better in his first two major starts. Wow. Pretty his, good. So his so I, I like the ones that put it into a, a historical context, right? And And to kind of my point before, a lot of stats like that only go back to tiger it's it's the last person since tiger right when you get past like that era and especially when you get back into the 1860 and 1861 you're it, like that's that's next level stuff i love that i uh i i said on twitter to jerry i said ned was a stud and he said that he was born in 1819 wow think about that dude. pretty wild uh so anyway the one that i found was and this is not this is not crazy or anything i just thought it was interesting so according to data golf, I went, I went five years back and I actually put this out today because I was looking at some player of the year stuff, which we're going to talk about in a second. The only two guys in the last five years. So last five years, only two guys to have four seasons of where they gained two strokes or more uh, four times out of five years are DJ and JT. Nobody's done it all five. DJ and JT did it four times and Rom did it three times. If you're at two plus strokes, you're a top five player in the world. Like that's just kind of the, that's the the cutoff for top five guys. So DJ and JT both have done it four out of the last five years, which I think is just, that's unreal. When you're doubling up a guy like Rory, who's only done it twice, when you're better than Rom, who has been, you know, Rom's won like three times each of the last four years, which is crazy. So that to me is, uh, is, is kind of puts into perspective what DJ and JT have been doing. And what's also crazy is until – a couple of weeks ago, uh, out of those four years, those two guys had two combined major championships. Yeah. Which is goes to show there's only four of them a year. Yep. And they're hard to win. And there's a lot of guys vying for them. And you can be historically great. And you can be historically better than the rest of your peers. These things are still hard to win. A month yeah. ago, Jimmy Walker and DJ had the same number of majors. <laughs> are you telling me they're not the same type of player? <laughs> they're a little different. Uh, all right, boys. Let's wrap with this. Player of the year. Uh, am, are we going to get a consensus? This has got to be a clean sweep, right? I'm not sure how much debate how much debate there is here, Mark. Uh, this, this, there's no debate as far as I'm concerned. I mean, if 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 you're not thinking Dustin Johnson, then you sort of halfway on hinges and making a Bernd Wiesberger versus Christian Bethea note kind of a bit. <laughs> <laughs> this is never going to end. For uh, no, no. <laughs> no. uh, yeah. It, <laughs> It's, it's DJ. I mean, DJ, what I mean, the way he did it, what he did, uh, phenomenal stuff. I mean, the I also think, you know, go, to go back to even like our biggest surprise, the fact that Rory didn't win is kind of crazy. DJ yeah. gets a couple of them, adds another like it's just it's it's DJ, Greg. It's DJ. It, it's hands down DJ. Now, if you want to go back and look at uh, the PGA Tour season, which includes the wraparound beforehand and ends before the U S open and the masters and, and all, all that you have a debate, but once you extend into, uh, in for the calendar year, 
the debate is over. And Dustin Johnson has accelerated past everybody else in a group where, you know, there's a really tight group of guys vying for the spot of world number one. And Dustin Johnson said, eh, well, you can try again next year, but, but you're probably not going to have any luck then either. He showed us who the best player in the world is. And he really, he, he stands out head and shoulders. Now there's no more bouncing around, bouncing back and forth. He's, he seems like he's here to stay now. Kyle Porter, you're always good for a spicy take or two, but I'm not sure you've got a spicy one here. The spiciest thing I have on this is that DJ and Rom actually finished tied in strokes gain for the whole year. Um, but when you stack up everything else DJ did, it's not close. I mean, his he he is the the amount of world rankings points that he's ahead of Rory, who's I think fourth or fifth, is the same as Rory is ahead of like the 80th guy in the world. So he he's just He's, he's boat racing everybody. I mean, it's unreal. And yeah, his top 10 at all the majors, won the Masters. It's, yeah, it's not close. I'm looking forward to the day that the PGA tour scorecard at the bottom right-hand corner where it has the total block right underneath there has a strokes gained block as well. <laughs> and that, that's going to be the day that, that it will stand out in my memory. I mean, it it's, it's, the same th- it's the same thing. It's a normalized score. So technically they already have that. Well, there wasn't normalized results. Let's—let's. I wish we could get a picture of DJ's mantle and John Rahm's mantle, and then we'll talk further. Yeah, I mean, I just said wins matter, so we agree. We do. There you go. Twenty twenty superlatives. Hat tip to producer Jacob uh, for all the help with the tweets and all the great categories. If you're listening, you might want to check it out on YouTube as well. Uh, Let me thank Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS for all those spicy tweets. Mark Immelman at Mark underscore Immelman. Greg Ducharme at The Real GFD. You can find me at Rick Rungood. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time. relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.